0: This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hi everyone, I'm Sarah Gregory, and today I'm talking to Dr. Megan Niederwerter. Dr. Niederwerter is an Assistant Professor of Virology in the Department of Diagnostic Medicine and Pathobiology at Kansas State University. We'll be discussing her article about how pigs can get African swine fever by what they eat or drink. Welcome, Dr. Niederwerter.
1: Hi, Sarah. Good morning. Thank you for having me.
0: So, your article defines African swine fever virus as a transboundary animal disease and a major threat to pork production. What does all this mean?
1: African swine fever is caused by African swine fever virus, and it's really considered at currently as the most significant threat to global pork production. Uh, And the reason that is, is that over the last uh, decade or so, this virus has spread to several countries and regions of the world that it had previously never been diagnosed.
0: Your article also mentions the Georgia 2007 strain. Uh, Tell us about that. And is that the country of Georgia or the state of Georgia?
1: It's a country of Georgia, and it was um, it's named uh, that the Georgia 2007 isolate because the uh, this particular isolate was first characterized when it was introduced into the country of Georgia in 2007. And the reason this is significant is because there are many different genotypes and isolates of African swine fever virus, but the Georgia 2007 isolate is what, uh, of course, was introduced into the Caucasus region and Eastern Europe in 2007. But it's also um, very, very similar to the isolate that's currently circulating in China and other Asian countries.
0: And just real briefly, uh, tell us what an isolate is.
1: Viruses naturally um, sort of change over time. And so the way that we uh, characterize viruses or specifically an isolate is by its a genome or the the sequence of DNA, and so uh, when we think about how viruses change, then once they have changed, they may be um, designated a, a new isolate um, based on those changes. And again, that's based on the the sequence of of DNA.
0: Okay, so where where is this particular virus commonly found?
1: So historically, this virus, uh, of course, as its name suggests, is is has been found in Africa, Um, but again, over the last decade, it has really expanded um, with regards to the countries and regions that it is currently circulating. And so from 2007 onward, uh, it was introduced into several uh, Eastern European countries, uh, such as um, Poland. And Latvia, in 2017, it was first detected in Romania. And then in 2018, it was detected in China as well as Belgium. And then just over the last uh, seven months, in 2019, it's been detected in Vietnam uh, and Cambodia And so this virus uh, has really been uh, moving fairly rapidly as far as the countries that it's been um, detected in.
0: Okay, so is there anything else you want to tell us about this virus? And it's pretty much fatal, right?
1: The virus that's currently circulating is a highly virulent strain, uh, which means that the mortality rates after pigs are infected really approach uh, 100%. So it's, it's very... Uh, It has a high fatality rate. The disease that it causes is very severe. Uh, It often causes um, high fever in pigs. Uh, Then they become lethargic, uh, depressed, can have hemorrhage in the skin, as well as hemorrhagic diarrhea. And so the disease is very, very severe um, as far as mortality rate, but also with regards to the disease that it actually causes um, for clinical signs in pigs. The other important thing about African swine fever virus. That is, it's only a pig disease. It does not affect humans.
0: Ah, that is important because I'm sure a lot of humans were getting quite nervous now. Yeah. Um, any more details about uh, why it's considered an emerging threat? Obviously, it's moving around and getting worse. I guess. But uh, you want to tell us a little more about that?
1: Sure. the it, The reason it's really um, threatening pork production is not only because of the high mortality rate and severe disease, but um, China has the world's largest susceptible pig population. Uh, China houses approximately half of the pigs that live in the entire world. And so once the virus was introduced into China, uh, this significantly impacted the overall global uh, pork production, the global pork trade, Um, because China not only produces a lot of pork, but also consumes a lot of pork. And because the virus is now there, uh, that pork production has significantly changed, as you may may imagine, and uh, that is why it's really an emerging threat. The other characteristic of the virus being in China, where um, this large population of pigs live, is that, uh, of course, a lot of Products are shipped from China around the world. And so um, that sort of plays into the rationale behind my research looking at um, potentially feed ingredients serving as a vector for the disease.
0: Okay, so as you just said, your your study is about uh, the spread of the virus through feed and liquid. So, you know, particularly tell us about that and why did you originally think this might be the case?
1: In 2013, uh, porcine epidemic diarrhea virus was introduced into uh, the U.S., and that was really historically um, the last major transboundary animal disease introduced into U.S. swine population. And several epidemiological investigations after PEDV was introduced uh, revealed the risk of feed and feed ingredients serving as a potential route for not only new transboundary diseases to be introduced into swine populations, but also um, as a potential route for these viruses to spread to susceptible populations within the country. And so that was, uh, you know, several years of research investigating uh, the introduction of this virus into the U.S. And as we learned more about that, uh, the question really started to develop, well, if feed or feed ingredients can serve as a route for porcine epidemic diarrhea virus, what is the risk of these um, ingredients serving as a route for other foreign animal diseases? And uh, African swine fever, as we've mentioned, is, is a significant threat. And so that's really what led into um, my research, understanding uh, the risk of both introduction as well as transmission of African swine fever virus through feed
0: so you you particularly found that liquid was more likely the cause of the infection than than feed itself. and why is this?
1: So we tested both um, feed as well as liquid uh, to understand uh, the dose that was required for ASF to cause infection when naturally consumed. And so a lot of the infection trials that have historically been done are not through natural consumption. So one of the goals of this study was to simulate what would truly happen in the field with regards to the pig naturally consuming this contaminated feed or liquid. And we also wanted to understand and sort of compare uh, the dose required for infection in plant-based feed versus liquid. And we think that the virus was able to infect pigs at a lower dose in liquid because the liquid facilitates uh, viral contact with the uh, tonsillar tissues, which is where the virus replication initially occurs. Uh, But what was interesting is that the virus could be transmitted through both feed and liquid Uh, with increased probability of infection as the dose increased.
0: So uh, despite this fact, your study hypothesizes that feed might actually end up being more likely than liquid to spread this infection. So is it dose-related? What is this?
1: So it has a lot to do with how feed is manufactured and uh, shipped. So when you think about the water source for a pig barn uh, in most places in the U.S., that water, of course, is, is usually locally sourced. Uh, feed ingredients, on the other hand, can be shipped all over the world. And in fact, the U.S. imports um, several million kilograms of feed ingredients from countries such as China. And those feed ingredients um, are, are of course, in the country of origin, China in this case, and then shipped overseas and uh, delivered to uh, feed mills where the feed is actually manufactured. And so the risk is, is if those feed ingredients become contaminated and then are shipped to the country, they can serve as a source of virus. Uh, when introduced into the complete feed, and then of course, after the complete feed is manufactured at the feed mill, it is widely distributed to several uh, barns where pigs then consume the feed. And so, the reason that we think that feed may be a higher risk is because, uh, again, feed ingredients are sourced globally uh, throughout the world and, and of course, in con- from countries with circulating foreign animal diseases. And then after the feed ingredients arrive to the U.S. and are um, incorporated into a complete feed diet, they are uh, widely distributed to many farms. And so that, it's really the global distribution of feed and feed ingredients for pigs that uh, makes this a risk factor.
0: And I guess it's somewhat along those same exact lines. Why is it important to quantify doses of um, uh, the virus that cause infection? Why, why not just try to avoid all contamination?
1: Our previous research that we did actually just right before this the oral dose study uh, was investigating if feed ingredients were contaminated with African swine fever virus and then subjected to environmental conditions that simulate transboundary shipment, uh, such as transoceanic over the Atlantic or Pacific Ocean, would the virus actually survive in those feed ingredients? And what we found was that ASF was highly stable across feed ingredients and that it was detectable, uh, infectious virus was detectable at the conclusion of the model. Uh, but we also had quantifiable levels of virus. And so we wanted to understand, um, thinking about how the virus degrades over time, Uh, it's important to quantify that so that we can uh, estimate the risk, but also once we start implementing mitigation strategies, understand how each mitigation strategy uh, reduces the risk at a quantifiable level. Because each mitigation strategy that we may implement Uh, of course, probably has an economic uh, cost to it. And so we need to think about how we can reduce the risk of contamination or infection through feed um, by implementing these mitigation strategies But make sure they're the most cost-effective strategies uh, to reduce this risk. Unfortunately, it would be very difficult to completely eliminate the risk The way that we could do that is looking at um, where these feed ingredients are imported and understanding and looking at different strategies for uh, importing feed ingredients from countries that do not have any circulating foreign animal disease. Uh, So that would be one strategy to significantly reduce the risk.
0: Okay, backing up. What was your initial hypothesis, and and as what were the actual findings?
1: Sure. So we wanted to understand um, if ASF could be transmitted through the natural consumption of plant based feed. Historically, we know that ASF can be transmitted through the consumption of pork, uh, contaminated pork products. So this would be where pigs consume will that may have uncooked pork products in them. But we didn't know if the plant-based feed ingredients would actually support the virus enough to cause transmission uh, when naturally consumed. And so our initial hypothesis was really just understanding, can uh, the virus be transmitted through these plant-based feed ingredients? And then subsequent to that, what is the dose Uh, required for infection, and how does that dose required for infection change as the number of exposures changes. So what was interesting in the study is that we actually, the the pigs consumed a small amount of contaminated feed. But when we look at how much pigs consume, let's say, throughout the day, we would see that the actual amount that they were uh, ingested during this study maybe up to 40 times that amount uh, in a day uh, for a large finisher pig.
0: Sorry, let me interrupt a second. What's a finisher pig?
1: A finisher pig is an older pig. So uh, usually they go to the finisher about nine weeks of age and until they're about six months of age. Uh, There's different stages of pig production. There's a stage where they're with their mothers. Um, and then there's a stage after they're weaned from their mothers. It's called the nursery when they're fairly young. And then they go to a finisher, uh, again, about nine weeks of age to um, essentially grow during that phase until they go to market. And so those larger pigs um, would consume more feed and would be exposed, again, several times throughout the day if that feed was contaminated. And so we sort of expanded the hypothesis in that uh, we wanted to understand what's the risk of infection if a pig consumes that contaminated feed, let's say throughout the day or throughout several days.
0: Okay. So, and moving forward, how do you hope these findings will be used?
1: Well, the next step to to our research is really understanding what mitigation strategies we can put in place to reduce the risk of uh, African swine fever virus being transmitted through these feed ingredients, and we've been looking at um, applications such as storage time, so understanding how the virus degrades naturally over time. We've also been looking at heat treatments to understand if the virus uh, is susceptible to to various uh, temperatures, and then also understanding if there are antiviral uh, chemicals that we can actually add to the feed to eliminate uh, the virus infectivity through consumption. And so we're really hoping that um, now that we've defined the risk, understand that there is this risk, uh, what strategies can we uh, at least put recommendations on with regards to reducing the risk so that we can really prevent uh, infection to our pigs in the U.S. and, of course, uh, hopefully prevent the spread of this virus throughout the world.
0: Uh, let me just stop here for a second. Uh, this is a really, really terrible disease, uh, certainly for the pigs and for the um, pork industry as a whole. Um, but backing up, you said that uh, this was um, not contagious to humans. But I know, you know, working in emerging infectious diseases, that a lot of a lot of diseases become zoonotic, which for our listeners, if they don't know, means that they transfer from an animal to a human. Uh, you said this isn't contagious to humans, but is it possible that it could become so?
1: Well, this virus is not related to any virus that uh, infects humans. It's one of the reasons that it's so difficult to control is that we, it's, it's a very unique virus. Uh, that only infects pig species. But I think an important component of a virus that only infects pigs is understanding uh, with a growing world, we need more food and more efficient food production. And so, although this virus does not infect humans, the impact on pig production and the availability of protein uh, can play a significant role in in human health and uh, food security for humans. So I think that's an important consideration with regards to um, the impact on the population particularly in China where 60% of their protein consumption is pork.
0: 660. 60. Six, zero. Six, zero. Oh yikes that's a Large number, yes. Yes. Um, Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us about the process of doing this study, or about what you found?
1: One of the things that's so challenging about African swine fever virus is that there is no effective vaccine, and for many production um, diseases, uh, there are uh, vaccines available that can at least reduce risk, reduce the severity of clinical signs for um, the viruses when they're introduced. Uh, Because ASF is so unique, it's the only virus in its family. It's a very large virus, very complex, many, many proteins, over 150 proteins. The development of a vaccine has been very challenging for um, the research industry and and for the ability to commercialize and make available a vaccine. And so that's one of the reasons that this virus has been so difficult to control and uh, one of the reasons that... We want to understand uh, risk factors for introduction uh, to prevent introduction um, and do everything we can to maintain the U.S. swine herd as negative.
0: Well, well, tell us about your profession and your job and how you became interested in swine diseases.
1: Sure. So I am a, a veterinarian. I practiced for several years prior to coming back to academia and pursuing a Ph.D. and uh, uh, becoming a faculty member here at Kansas State University. And uh, swine diseases are very interesting, especially in the viral disease field. Uh, The viruses change quite frequently. Uh, There are new strategies as far as maintaining production levels and understanding what we can do to maintain uh, efficient food production with regards to pork. Um, And what I enjoy about research and doing some of the work that we've discussed is that it really has the opportunity to hopefully improve swine health and, of course, in this case, uh, prevent viral spread uh, for a disease that is really impacting the whole world uh, with regards to pork. And so um, that's what I really enjoy about my job. I also uh, teach veterinary students. In their second year of the veterinary curriculum, I teach them about viral diseases uh, and swine and other animals, and uh, really enjoy being around students and then having the opportunity to do this research.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. We really appreciate it. And thank you, my listeners out there, for joining us today. You can read the May 2019 article, Infectious Dose of African Swine Fever Virus When Consumed Naturally in Liquid or Feed. Online at cdc.gov eid. I'm Sarah Gregory for Emerging Infectious Diseases. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.